We have breaking news on the Mark Madden Show. Elliot Friedman of Hockey Night in Canada reports that Barry Trotz is stepping down as the head coach of the Washington Capitals. To repeat, Barry Trotz is stepping down as Capitals head coach uh, less than two weeks after winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, Friedman tweets, We had believed Trotz was a free agent this summer. That's not correct. There was a two-year extension that kicked in if Trotz won the Cup. But as coaches' contracts have exploded in value, it was below the current market. Both sides tried to negotiate an extension, but could not come to terms. Trotz is now a free agent, as Washington will grant permission to other teams who want to talk to him. So Elliot Friedman of Hockey Night in Canada reports Barry Trotz is done as head coach of the Washington Capitals. This is the Mark Madden Show. Watching England versus Tunisia. The opening match for each team in the World Cup. There is no pressure like World Cup pressure. If you don't believe that, consider. Germany is the favorite and defending champ. They lost to Mexico. Brazil is the co-favorite. They tied Switzerland. Spain is right up there. They tied Portugal. And Lionel Messi missed a penalty kick. That is pressure, and that is what pressure causes. And that's just in the tournament's first five days. It's a shame most of you would rather watch the Pirates. Or not. Pirate attendance is down 7K per game from last year and 14K per game from 2015. But of course, the GM has played the attendance card when it comes to spending. Here's the direct quote from Neil Huntington, the Pirates GM. He said, quote, If we're able to turn a corner and draw more people out, then we'll be able to put more into the club. As we've shown in the past, when the resources are there, we'll apply them, unquote. The Pirates always lie, but this is quite the recycled lie. Frank Coonley is the Pirates' president, and he said years ago that payroll would keep pace with revenue. It's been said several times since as well, but payroll did not keep pace with revenue. Witness 2015 when the Pirates won 98 games and averaged 30K per game at PNC, and by the next season's trade deadline, seven significant components we're no longer with the team by way of keeping the bottom line where the Pirates wanted it to be. Coonley lied, and now Huntington is lying. And anyone who believes what the Pirates say ever again is a moron. The Pirates are lying sacks of excrement. Furthermore, this is such an insulting con game. Like, like. People are going to say, gee, if we go, they're going to upgrade the roster. We better go. No one believes Huntington. No one will react to what he said. Pirate fans are just tired of hearing that crap. The Pirates are reaping what they sowed. The Pirates are broken. Lying won't fix it. Even winning won't fix it. Only new ownership will fix it. Uh, the Pirates got a decent crowd yesterday. 
23K. It was a bizarro world baseball game. Billy Hamilton of Cincinnati, the center fielder, he's batting 197, and he hit the number nine spot yesterday below the pitcher. But Hamilton got three hits and made a catch in center field that had to be seen to be believed. And then Polanco was hitting 211 for the Pirates, and he got three hits yesterday. The Pirates did lose, and they're a game under 500, but they did win two out of three from the Reds, so the Pirates finally won a series. Musgrove got killed. Uh, the Pirates have a bunch of okay pitchers. Sometimes they pitch pretty good. Sometimes they get killed. People wonder about the inconsistency, but they shouldn't. Inconsistency is a sign of being not very good. Meantime, Nick Kingham pitched eight scoreless innings in AAA and got International League Pitcher of the Week. If you'd like to talk about Barry Trotz leaving the Capitals, if you'd like to talk about Neil Huntington lying, bold-faced lying, lying through his teeth, he is a liabetic. He is suffering from liabetes. Then dial 412-333-9939. That's 412-333-WXDX. Or you can make your presence felt on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. People always say the U.S. Open course is too hard and too tricked up. But Brooks Kepka just won the Open for a second straight time, so he's got it figured out. He shot one over par, that one. I laugh when people say the course isn't fair. It's too hard. That's not fair. Yo, idiots, look up the word fair in the dictionary. Since every golfer plays the same course, that is, by exact definition, fair. I like seeing these elite golfers have to really work for it. That's more fun to watch than low scores on an easy course. And then, of course, Phil Mickelson committed a crime against humanity. Well, I, I mean golf, but too many of you acted like it was a crime against humanity. He hit a ball while it was still moving. We will talk about that more at 4 p.m., but the overreaction is priceless. It's like judgment at Nuremberg. Judge Smales would have had Phil Mickelson thrown out of Bushwood. But what Philly Mick did was something Ty Webb would have done, except the ball would have gone in the hole. No, 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 no. That's why people don't like golf snobs, the country club wankers because they blow a gasket over something like this. Golf is barely a sport in the first place. Getting back to hockey for just one second, uh, as I said at the top of the show, Barry Trotz is reportedly out as Washington Capitals coach. He's going to get super big money to go somewhere else. Maybe the New York Islanders with Lou Lamorello. Have to see how that plays out. The first run of the NHL draft is Friday. The Penguins don't have a pick and will probably never have a first-round pick again. I feel like Jim Rutherford has something up his sleeve, but I can't figure out what. I've been told he wants the team to get younger and more energetic. How he facilitates that, well, that will play out in the days and weeks ahead. 
Uh, this is the Mark Madden Show. I got Matt Williamson, our football guru, talking football at the bottom of the hour. Uh, in just a bit, I'll tell you what Ben Roethlisberger has to say about his next contract. It was like a year ago. Ben was talking about retirement. Then he said year by year. Then he said three or four more years. And now he's talking about his next contract. But Ben uh, tied his longevity into a couple other players, which I find interesting. And we will also talk about the Mickelson scandal. Ha! Uh, scandal featuring Patty Smythe. And more crap on the regrets of Daniel Carcillo, that little rat who wants to fix hockey. If you got a headache, take an aspirin, you little rat puke. I am getting mileage out of Carcillo and Boynton with their head problems, their brain trauma, uh, saying the NHL should take responsibility and fix it with the parenthetical thought clearly being, and help us, we need help. Uh, I got a blog out of it Friday a column out of it yesterday in the Trib, and another blog out of it today. So be sure to check out the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. I got a poll up there. You can't vote. It's just kind of a rhetorical, because I think the answer is kind of obvious. What would you least like to have happen to you? Roseanne Barr makes a racist joke at your expense. Louis C.K. grabs your ass at a party. Not Louis C.K., uh, Kevin Spacey grabs your ass at a party. Louis C.K. exposes himself in your presence. Or Carcillo whacks you in the head with a friggin' hockey stick. I pick whatever doesn't get me whacked in the head with a hockey stick because that causes brain trauma like we hear. It has longer-lasting and more damaging repercussions. But I, I get... Tweets from all these hockey people saying, oh, Carcillo wants to turn over a new leaf. And the other three people, despite having like 10 times the talent of Carcillo, they can't get a second chance. They can't get forgiven to save their lives. It is a screwy world out there and getting screwier every second. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, in just a few moments, we'll talk about Tommy Fleetwood shooting a 63 at Shinnecock Hills, the final round of the Open. We'll talk about the big lead had a list of the NFL's 10 best running backs. I think you'll find that interesting. And I'll tell you who the two guys Ben said need to be taken care of before his contract's taken care of. A couple guys who would who he would leave money on the table for if you read accurately, I think, between the lines. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. The Washington Capitals have confirmed Barry Trotz is out as head coach having resigned. That's the breaking news today. Uh, John Buchagross suggests on Twitter that the Islanders make sense for him as the landing spot, if not least because they're the only team besides the Capitals with a current coaching vacancy. Uh, as Bucci tweets, the GM coach is a pretty persuasive play for Tavares to sign long-term, Tavares is a serious, committed athlete, and this would be a serious combo. Uh, in other words, if Lamorella was joined by Trotz, that would let Tavares know the Islanders are going places. But uh, 
even with Lamorello, and if they get trots, I'm not convinced the Islanders are. Plus, they're in Brooklyn for two or three more years. If I'm Tavares, I'm going where I get the most money. And I think almost any athlete would do that. And if I'm Trotz, I wouldn't go to the Islanders either because of the same reasons that I wouldn't stay if I were Tavares. Nothing wrong with taking some time off. You're a Stanley Cup winner. You're going to be in demand at some point. You're going to get the plum job whenever it does open up. So if I were Trotz, I would play it very cool and not be desperate to work uh, anytime soon. Uh, As far as who succeeds Trotz as the Capitals coach, that depends if they want to replace from within or from without. If they want to place from within to uh, replace from within to maintain continuity and familiarity, my choice would be Todd Reardon, who was an assistant here in Pittsburgh, the defensive assistant in Washington, uh, great hockey guy, great coaching mind. That's what I would do if they want to go outside the current organization and get a, a bigger name because they are, after all, defending Stanley Cup champions. Well, there aren't many big names out there. Uh, Elaine Vigneault, who the Rangers just fired, I mean, he's available, but he's never won a friggin' thing. Uh, Michelle Therrien? <laughs> what if he went up with Washington? I don't think so. That would not be a good fit for that group after having just won a Stanley Cup. I can't believe the Capitals let Trotz get away. Uh, like Elliot Friedman reported, and nobody knew this, so kudos to Elliot for having this. Uh, Trotz was not a free agent at season's end as thought. There was a two-year extension that kicked in if he won the Stanley Cup. But apparently it was for a small sum of money, and Trotz and Washington couldn't agree on renegotiating, so they're just going to let him go. I would have thrown whatever at him. Doesn't count under the cap. You know, he's the coach. So I would have kept him regardless of the price. But Trotz probably wanted to leave because he felt hard done by not getting the extension in the first place. Just a lot of things had to happen to get him to leave right after winning the Stanley Cup. And maybe there's some job out there that uh, that we don't know about that's going to open up. Uh, we had, boy, I forget who the guest was last week. It was a national NHL writer, and he said he knows of at least one job where they're willing to fire the coach to make room for trots. So, again, he won't be wanting for opportunity. I just I can't believe he's leaving. Can't believe it. Wonder what the Capitals' player reaction will be to that. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, how about that Tommy Fleetwood shot a 63 yesterday at Shinnecock Hills in the final round of the U.S. Open? That's the lowest round ever at a U.S. Open. Tied. Only the second time it's been done in the final round, a 63. Fleetwood finished second in the tournament by one stroke. It was weird to see a 63 in the middle of all those disasters, all those bad numbers posted by all those players, but it showed it could be done, even though the course was unfair, and you had Phil Mickelson stick-handling around out there. Uh, The big lead has a list of the NFL's 10 best running backs. We'll talk about this with Matt Williamson at the bottom of the hour. I hate those lists because who cares, right? Whoever gets the yards, 
and the touchdowns and the catches and the pass protect that helps his team win, he's the best back. But the list has Ezekiel Elliott, number one, Todd Gurley, number two, from the L.A. Rams, and then Lev Bell, number three. The story notes that Bell can make a strong case for number one, and let's be honest, Zeke's just number one because he's a cowboy. You know how that goes. But Bell isn't the best black by acclamation, the way some people think, including Bell. Lev Bell thinks he's the best back, period, by acclamation and by far. Ben had his annual Ute football camp yesterday on the south side, and Ben said he's not going to worry about his next contract. He's more worried about Super Bowls. Ben's going to make $20 million per year for two more years. And it sounds ridiculous, but he's a bit underpaid at that price. What with Matt Ryan of the Falcons, Atlanta, who's never won a thing, making $30 mil per year. But Ben also said there are other guys on the Steelers who need taken care of their contracts. And here's an interesting quote. Ben said, quote, I know in two years, Ponce, Gilbert, there are other very important guys up that I hope get taken care of because if they aren't here, I'm not here. That's the way it is. They are that good, unquote. I bet those guys liked hearing that, uh, Ponce and Gilbert. Ben loves this offensive line. And he definitely wants to keep it together. Or he's not going to play, apparently. That's sure what it sounds like. Ben says some very quirky things. Ben has never said anything but exactly the right thing when it comes to his offensive line. And I think he gets that much more talent, effort, and performance out of them because of that. And he gets a lot out of them in the first place without the extra encouragement. 412-333-9939. We'll talk to Matt Williamson, our football guru. He's up next on 105.9. Here's a quick note on that Trotz contract situation in Washington. He was making $1.5 million a year, which is way low. The bump in pay when he won the cup was three hundred k per year, so one point eight was still going to be low. They couldn't agree on an alternate figure, so he resigned, and they're going to let him go. Actually, sounds like they don't mind being rid of him in Washington. So if you're just tuning in, Barry Trotz has resigned as coach of the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. Time now to talk football. I'm joined by our football guru, former NFL and college scout. You can hear him on Steelers Nation Radio. He is Matt Williamson. Matt, were there any major developments at Steelers minicamp? Uh, aside from A.B.'s cry for help, I mean. No, not so much. You know, I mean, A.B. and Ben weren't there all that much, but nobody seemed to mind. Obviously, Bell wasn't there. A couple minor injuries, you know, Hawkins and McGee. I mean, they were guys that could have maybe made the team, maybe helped, but not the end of the world. Um, you know, the rookies look good, in my opinion. I was really keeping an eye out on the safety situation. I can't say I know any more now than I did then. And really, I mean, the mini camps are great and all, but you can't take a whole lot away from what you're watching on the field. Now, uh, the BigLead.com, which I realize isn't exactly a football Bible, but they listed the NFL's top ten running backs. And in order, their top three were Elliott, Gurley, and Lev Bell. Do you agree with that? Because in Pittsburgh, there's kind of like an acclamation that Bell's number one, period. Yeah, and I don't agree with that from several levels. Is 
he's kind of forgotten, but I would put David Johnson at number one. I, I think he's the younger version of Bell, a better receiver than Bell right now, a little faster, more big playability. I know he missed time last year, but it was a broken forearm. I have no reason to think he won't be the same. And I'd probably put those other two ahead of him as well. I mean, I still think Bell is a very, very good player, but I also think that he's slightly declining. You know, that very few long runs last year. I mean, he he put up good stats, but they were volume-oriented as opposed to splash plays. And with the wear and tear on his body, I I fear that we've seen his plateau. We've seen his peak, and it was probably at the end of the 2016 season. Well, I tend to think you're right, Matt, and because of that, do you think the Steelers have played it wisely, just keeping him year by year and kind of letting his value run out year by year? I do, and if news would come out that they succumbed to his demands and gave him a long-term deal, I would not approve at all. I mean, that would really worry me, and I think that they have played it perfect. They've kind of rented him for these last couple years. I think they'll send him on his way after the season, draft the guy high, and pick up a, a pick in return, you know, a compensatory pick for him. And my hunch is somebody will overpay him after this year, and Tomlin will run his wheels off as usual. And that's okay. You know, running backs don't last long. and His workload is unprecedented. Well, that, that ties into my next question, Matt. Uh, will he get the crazy money he wants anywhere after what figures to be his last year in Pittsburgh? Will he get 15 mil per year on a long-term deal anywhere? I doubt it, but, you know, there are so many teams in the league that have more cap space than they know what to do with. You know, that if you go to overthecap.com, there's five or ten teams that just have a wealth of space right now that aren't using it. So if you're a GM or a coach on the hot seat and you feel like you're a running back away, I can't really pinpoint what team that would be right this minute, but I could see him getting 10, 12 neighborhood, which is probably still worth more than he should be getting. I mean, considering, you know, what guys are getting on the market right now and, you know, what LaShawn McCoy is making. But a guy like Jarrett McKinnon made really good money this year, and he's a two-way player, and he's a fraction of what Bell was, you know, at Bell's best, or even what he is now. So it'll be interesting, but I tend to think that Bell's just flat-out asking too much no matter what. Well, I think so, too, and I think the upshot's going to be that he never gets what he demanded that he'll talk yeah. about it literally for three or four years now and never gets it. Yeah, and his, his value, even if he has a great year, his value is less now than it was two years ago. Now, Matt, uh, Ben Roethlisberger talked briefly about his next contract at, at age 36 and says he would leave money on the table if it means keeping Gilbert and Pouncey. Ben really has a lot of faith in this offensive line, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and it's good to see and that he recognizes that because, and Haley deserves some credit for that too, but clearly after the Arians era, it was priority number one to keep seven upright and to take less of a beating, and that absolutely has come to pass. I think his protection over the last two years is as good as any in the league, and he realizes that that's where his, you know, that's how you extend your career is keeping those guys around. The, the, the Steelers' protection on the offensive line really is amongst the best in the league. So uh, that's smart. I, I think that's a good move. Of the five starting linemen, who is the least replaceable? Who is the most replaceable? Who's overachievement? Give me, give me a rundown uh, across that offensive line because I feel like we don't talk enough about them. 
Yeah, we don't. And one thing just isn't exactly what you asked, and I will get to your question in a second, but it's really remarkable what Munchak has done with five or six of the undrafted offensive linemen. You know, Hubbard, Finney, Foster, Villanueva, maybe Filer next, that all those guys can start games for you, and there's really no other team in the league that can boast that. I mean, people are paying guards a ton right now and overdrafting them, and the Steelers are turning undrafted guys into starters. I mean, that's that's turning you know water into wine. I mean, that's a remarkable thing that's going on here. I think the Castro's clearly the best of the bunch and the most irreplaceable. And you saw the money Zach Martin just got. I mean, the Castro's going to be in that league, and that's a little frightening. I think Foster's replaceable, and I don't think he'll be back next year unless he really wants to take a team-friendly one-year deal, something like that. Um, the tackles are very good. Gilbert needs to show that he's healthy. You know, that's my only concern with him. I think he's a much better player than Villanueva is, though. And Pouncey's a high-end center and makes all the calls. And the, the, the sum of the parts is greater than each individual piece, though. I mean, that continuity that they've derived and with Munchak is really, really impressive. Well, you make a great point about Munchak, and I'm sure he wants to be a head coach again somewhere at some point, or maybe a coordinator, although I don't know about an offensive line coach becoming a coordinator. But I think the Steelers would do wise to pay him over the odds for an offensive line coach and just, you know, even if it's like coordinator money to keep him in his job because he's done so well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always say this, if I were an owner – and I hired a head coach. My next hire would be an offensive line coach. And I do very much believe that Munchak is one of the best in the business. And I don't know that he is ever going to be a coordinator. I mean, passing game is so key and so important in today's NFL that I don't know that he's going to scheme up pass routes and, you know, make Jared Goff better and guys like that. And it's a pretty good gig he has. You know, he's coaching good players. The, they win a lot of games. The, the ownership, you know, strives on continuity. You know, so I, I don't think that he's anxious to go anywhere. We're talking to Matt Williamson of Steelers Radio Network here on 105.9. Matt, uh, I give Gilbert and Ponzi credit, the two guys Ben referred to. They had kind of crap attitudes when they were younger. You remember Ponzi with the free Hernandez yeah. hat. But they've matured, and I think it's clearly enabled them to improve as players. Absolutely. I think that's very, very well said. You know, Pouncey's brother was kind of pushed out of Miami this year because they wanted to, quote, change the culture, and they are all buddies with, you know, the Hernandez era at Florida. And, you know, Gilbert fell in the draft a little because of, quote, work ethic and, you know, uh, off-the-field things. Not that he was a bad guy, but, you know, people questioned how hard he wanted it. And they've all kind of grown up together. It, It is very impressive. Will Ben hit a wall at some point performance-wise? Because I don't see it. Don't see it coming. Don't see it with Brady either. Their consistency combined with longevity is pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And we are seeing that around the league, the rivers of the world and Breeze and guys like that. And all of them, Ben included, have certainly become brainier than brawnier. And Ben can still shrug off Terrell Suggs and make a throw you know, 60 yards downfield. But that's not who he is anymore. You know, it's more get it out quick, reading the defense, trusting your offensive linemen, get it to the right guys. And he's progressed very well mentally. Now, you saw A.B.'s rant last week. I was joking about it at the top of this segment. What did you take away from that? I thought it was disjointed and almost disturbing. 
Yeah, and I do my best to not pay attention to those things. And he's such a miraculous player, and I think he's the best receiver in the league. And when you're down at the facility, realize his work ethic is well beyond anybody else in that room or maybe even in the league. But, man, some of the things that come out of his mouth, it, it, it makes you wonder, like, what, what's going on here? And it just seems sort of immature, to be honest with you. Well, Matt, I, I wasn't joking before. I think he needs help. I think he's manic-depressive and never sees himself as the cause of his own problems, which is textbook narcissism. It's always somebody else. And I kind of wonder what the Steelers think when they hear what he said. Yeah, and I don't know that he's a headache or a problem child. But you're right. It's an odd situation, and the things that come out of his mouth are very strange. Well, no, Matt, I'm, I'm talking about looking out for him at this point, not the team. I mean, oh, seriously, okay. I heard that, and I'm thinking, boy, something's something's wrong way down inside with this guy. And that might be true. And to be honest, maybe that's part of his greatness is he never, you know, you know, he never stops working. And I know that they worry about his work working out to a point where. He may work out too much. You know, that's all the guy does, that he gets very manic in that way. I mean, and maybe that's more of a personality trait than we realize. Now, I hear a lot uh, about the Steelers relying on the tight end position even more this coming year. Now, now that strikes me as odd because they don't really have a number one tight end. What What are you hearing? What do you think they'll do with the three tight ends they do have? Yeah, I just wrote an article. I did a series of breakout players for every team in the league for my website. And Vance McDonald was my pick for the Steelers. I think he's much more physically gifted than probably most people listening realize. He's a stout blocker. I think he's a far better player than James. They've been looking since he retired, you know, through Darius Green, to find somebody that can really run and stretch the seams. And you wouldn't think that's the player he is, but he really is. I mean, he's a 4-6 flat guy that can run down the middle of the field and cause great big plays. He's good after the catch. His hands aren't great, and drops have always been a problem for him. But I think we just saw the tip of the iceberg last year. I mean, if you remember, he came to the team so late that he didn't know the offense. You know, not to his discredit, but then he got dinged up. And I was told, you know, if he would have had a better feel for the offense at that point, because he hadn't been here long enough, that they probably would have played him through those injuries. But he was learning on the fly. I think they like him a lot. And they're paying him a pretty decent money, which tells you what they think of him. And Ben loves to use the tight end, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, obviously him and Heath had a pretty special thing going on, but McDonald's always going to have single coverage with Brown on the field and Bell on the field. I think he's going to have a big year. Will they use double tight, even triple tight once in a while? How will they deploy those guys? Yeah, I think so. But then you're leaving good players off the field, too. I mean, that's something I'm interested to see with Finkner. Because I think Haley did do a good job of using a wide variety of personnel packages, including a power fullback, including a sixth offensive lineman. And I hope we still see those things. But if James is on the field, I feel like I'm bashing James, but if James is on the field, somebody better than him isn't. I know what you mean. And I don't want to bash James either. But part of me feels like he's the third most talented tight end. Possibly, yeah. But they trust him. But, yeah, you might be right. Now, uh, Bell's obviously going to come to camp whenever Bell comes to camp. Does that necessarily dictate he starts off slow like he did last year? No. I mean, he's such an odd runner because of his timing and reading of defenses and stopping his feet and exploding. 
that I could see that timing being off early on if he doesn't, you know, play in a real game. But part of me thinks that's an excuse for a declining player, too. Matt, uh, you have a website, uh, mattwilliamsonfootball.redescribe.com. Uh, tell the, we haven't plugged that much lately. Tell the listeners what they can expect when they go there because you got a ton of great stuff there. Yeah, I'm pumping out a lot of content. The best way to go there is williamsonfootball.com. And even in the dead period now, I'm pumping out a lot of content. Just did something on the best receiving cores in the league. And the, and the, the Steelers are on that list for sure. And my apologies. I'm a, I'm a Kenny Wood right now. I'm looking for the quietest place I can find, but there's zero to find. Well, bring me bring me park fries if you think of it, Matt. Great stuff, as always. We'll talk Potato again pack. soon. All right, bud. We'll see you. That's Matt Williamson. Great stuff from him. And check out that site, uh, mattwilliamsonfootball.redescribe.com. Well, the entire nation of England is ready to melt down as they're tied with Tunisia in the 87th minute. Okay, if you want to know how England feels about football, the national team, think of how Pittsburgh feels about the Steelers. Only twice as, as intense and ten times as neurotic. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. If you're just tuning in, the uh, big news in sports today, well, uh, hockey certainly, is that uh, Barry Trotz has resigned as the coach to watch the Capitals, apparently an extension kicked in when he won the Cup. But uh, the money wasn't right. They agreed to part ways, so Barry Trotz is now a free agent. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. England has scored an injury time. They lead Tunisia 2-1 to one at the death. That kept an absolute meltdown from occurring in England if they can see off these last few seconds. The big news is Barry Trotz has resigned as coach of the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. There seems to be a bigger assumption than I think there ought to be that he's going to go to New York to work with Lou Lamorello and that that'll keep John Tavares with the Islanders. If I were Trotz, I would not go there. If I were Tavares, I would not stay there. Uh, That's putting an awful lot of faith in 75-year-old Lou Lamorello who did great in New Jersey, but didn't have the greatest of stays in Toronto. Shared power with a lot of people. Maybe it's unfair to judge, but uh, nonetheless, he put a team on the ice last year in Toronto that had Ron Hainsey as its number two defenseman. No offense to the good brother, but uh, he's not up for 23, 24 minutes a game. That's not his level duty at this point of his career uh, in his late 30s. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. The other big story today, Neil Huntington said that more people need to go to the game if they're going to increase payroll at the deadline. That's exactly what he said in so many words. Uh, That's a lie. They could sell out every single friggin' game between now and the trade deadline. They're not going to spend any more money. The owner... The president, the GM, they are lying sacks of excrement, and this is a recycled lie, one they've told many times before, and if you buy it, you're stupid. And not too many of you are buying it because attendance is down. Now, we were talking about the Pirates' attendance problems earlier. Uh, Down 7K per game from last year, 14K per game from 2015. 
but MLB attendance for the entire uh, major leagues is down 6.6% over last year. Only five teams are showing a rise in attendance. Uh, 19 teams are showing a drop, which uh, means six are breaking even just about. I'm not surprised by the uh, drop over all of MLB. A lot of fans are tired of their team being the Washington Generals. Baseball needs a salary cap, but baseball will never... ever have a salary cap. Uh, the first place Milwaukee Brewers are at PNC tonight. They got a pitcher, Adrian Hauser, who came in the game yesterday at Milwaukee against Philadelphia, and he took his warm-up throws and puked. He faced two batters, then he puked again. It was like that movie, The Scout. Michael Rappaport's character puked on the mound before his major league debut. He must have ate some of that bad turkey. Uh, so anyway, the Brewers fans start chanting, puke and rally, like Varsity Blues and Billy Bob. And the Brewers then scored four runs in the bottom of the ninth, but still lost 10-9, which is okay by me because I didn't want to see that become a trend. Yikes. Puke and rally. Uh, there were a bunch of weird scenes at the U.S. Open. The golf was just a mess, albeit fun to watch. But how about this story, which wasn't caught on video for whatever reason, but when Dustin Johnson putted to end his round yesterday, the final round, his fiance and her friends celebrated right there by the green like he won the tournament. He's engaged to Paulina Gretzky, Wayne's daughter, super hot. But Dustin lost the tournament by two strokes. I guess J.R. Smith started a trend. Who cares about the score? Why even keep track? Uh, the World Cup has had some weird moments as well. I watched Peru and Denmark. And Fox Sports had some guy named Jorge Perez Navarro uh, did play-by-play. Now, he did the goal call like uh, Andres Cantor, the goal type of deal. But otherwise, I couldn't understand what the freak the guy was saying. He got great reviews, and maybe he was very witty, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. Uh, there was a headline in a German newspaper that said, Sorry, Mexico, but today we build a wall. That was before Germany played Mexico, and then Mexico won 1-0. But it wasn't all good for Mexico because Trump had their kids taken away. What a nightmare that is. Uh, Neymar got fouled a ton in Brazil's tie against Switzerland. And the announcers were saying it's a disgrace, in particular... Alexei Lalas, the former U.S. national team player. And they did really go after Neymar. It did get a bit extreme, but uh, A, Neymar flops like crazy. B, you got to play through some of that. Pele did. When Pele played for Brazil, the refereeing was much more laissez-faire, and they tried to hurt Pele, kill him. Look at what the Nazis did to Pele in that movie, Victory. And see, at least Neymar didn't get kicked in the balls because he doesn't have any.
And that really does hold Brazil back. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. In just 30 seconds, if you don't call and talk about this, you're not the talk show fanatic I think most of you are. We're going to talk about the Phil Mickelson scandal. How could he do that? He ruined golf. There's no point in having golf anymore. He should have been disqualified, flogged, beat briskly around the head, neck, chest, and shoulders with a blunt instrument. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.